Hey, we're on a, a series uh, called Responsibility. It's a stewardship series. So if you, I said this last week, but if you're newer visiting us this morning, welcome. We hope Northfield feels like home for you and that uh, you, you just enjoy it. And it's a great time. We hope that uh, if you like it, that you consider making us your church home family. But if you is your first, if this is your first Sunday, you know how you pick that Sunday to come and check a church out and they're talking about giving? Yes, you hit it dead on the nail. All right. And uh, we don't do it often, but we're in the series there. So you got the luck of the draw and that's where we're at. Before we go on in the message, though, I I think a lot of us um, know about the shooting at SPU. Right. And uh, just a a tragic deal. I'm a lump from there. Went went to school there. I know that building. I know that lobby. I know exactly where that happened. So I'd like to. Pray, would, would you stand with me and let's lift. There's right now, there's a, you know, a mom and dad who sent their student to college and now they don't have a student, right? And uh, there's a, another mom and dad that sent their student to college and they're in critical care in the hospital and it's touch or go whether they'll make it. And you can imagine the angst and the, the trauma that's there. And, uh, you know, we hear about shootings all across the country, but this one's pretty close to home. Let's uh, lift them up together. Father, as we come, we realize we live in a fallen world, and in a fallen world, there's some really wicked stuff that happens, and this was wicked. It's just as wicked as all the other stuff that's happened. And Lord, we would pray this morning, there aren't words to express to those parents the loss they feel or to cover that, and uh, we just pray a greater grace on them. We ask that You would um, shed incredible mercy their way. Um, and uh, Lord, we don't know if they're a strong family full of faith. We don't know if they're a, a marginal family or maybe a, a family that doesn't even know you. And, and said, we don't know any of those pieces. But we would pray for them and the school. Lord, uh, SPU is a Christian college, but the truth is there's a lot of young people there and a lot of them playing it loose with you. And one of the things we'd pray is that you would use this to galvanize the campus back towards you. Galvanize back towards prayer. Galvanize back towards being wholly surrendered and uh, having them think, what if that was me? Would I have been ready to meet you? We, we seek you for doing and, and turning something really evil into something good. May good come out of this in spite of how absolutely tragic it is. And uh, we ask for that favor in your name. Amen. Okay, you may be seated. All right, let's do a, a, a little review from last week as we've been talking about. We've been talking in this series about responsibility. And what we said is God speaks and then we respond. And so we're in a relationship with Him. We're tracking with Him, right? We're, we're uh, listening, having a conversation together. So God speaks, we respond. And then often He will call us to do something we don't want to do. Or let's put it this way. We don't think we can do it. And so we freak out, right? And that's exactly the point. Because the point is, it's not about us, it's about Him. And so in that, when He calls us, He extends grace to us, and then we can do what He's asked us to do. And then we realize, it's really the Lord that brought us that far, not ourselves. And so that's what we're calling this responsibility. And uh, we hope you like the play on words. But let's do a little review from last week. We've been talking about giving as worship. And one of the... We've, we, three points, the main points from last week that what we pointed out is we said first, when we look at the Garden of Eden, the crisis that came right out of the Garden of Eden was a worship crisis. It, it, the, you have Adam and Eve and then right after you have Cain and Abel. 
And that story is about worship. Cain brought an offering of worship. Abel brought an offering of worship. Abel's was accepted. Cain's wasn't. And so Cain got bent. And God talked to him and said, you know, you've got to change. You've got to bend your attitude around uh, because sin's trying to master. And if you don't, it's crouching at the door to devour you. And, and Cain didn't do it. He chose bitterness instead. It bent him. And if he can't beat his brother, he'd take him out. Right? And so we have murder entering the human race right after the Garden of Eden. One generation removed from the Garden, you have murder in our human race. And you can tell from the prayer this morning, it's still not gone away. Right? So that <clears throat> worship goes right back to the beginning of the human race and back to the beginning of the Bible. <clears throat> we said that Abraham set the president. For the giving of the tithe, he went out and uh, conquered and uh, came back, rescued Lot. And off of the plunder, it says he paid a tithe of that to Melchizedek, this mystical guy in the Old Testament who I want to meet in heaven and find out what that deal really was. Uh, Way too much to go into this morning, but trippy dude. And so... You didn't know they had trippy dudes in the Bible, did you? Trippy dudes, sorry. My my language is stuck in the 60s. Anyway, so... uh, Abraham gives the tithe, and that word for the tithe there is the top of the heap. The best of the best. The best of the plunder was what Abraham gave. And so uh, he put that whole principle into motion. And then lastly, we talked about David. David uh, messed up, numbered the fighting men, wasn't supposed to. His strength was supposed to come from God, not how many soldiers he had. Uh, He got proud like kings do. And so God said, you have some choices. And the choice he picked was a plague. And so 70,000 people were killed and the angel of the Lord was moving with his sword. David saw it, went to the threshing floor of Aruna, as the Lord told him to. And when he got there, Aruna wanted to give him everything. And David said, no, I will not pay for nothing uh, or sacrifice nothing uh, for an offering to the Lord. And so... uh, David uh, paid Aruna, and uh, he, he said, uh, you know, I, I can't, I'm guilty. I can't, you know, accept this for nothing. I have to pay for it so that I know that it costs me. And so we highlighted those three points last week. Uh, you can download the message. Go to our website if you weren't here. Just download it and uh, catch the whole gist of that. But the principles we pulled from that were these three. First of all, when it comes to giving, you give God the first. Okay. Second principle is pretty similar to it. When you give, you give God the best. So you give him the first and the best. That's that top of the heap principle um, uh, that we talked about. And then the last was uh, don't grow weary or despise the work of the Lord. Growing weary is, gosh, I'm being faithful in this. I give this stuff. Uh, I'm watching everybody else get away with all kinds of stuff. It doesn't seem to be going anywhere. It doesn't seem to be doing anything. Why do I keep giving? Right? You ever get there? And the other side, it says, don't despise. Despise the word of the Lord says, I really don't think the Lord's doing nothing and I don't hold them in very high esteem, so I'm not giving to that because I want to give to a winner. And we don't put that into words. We, we, we don't say, God, you're a loser. We don't. But when we look at our culture and stuff, we go, you know, I don't think Jesus knows what he's doing. I think he's kind of an idiot. He's really not taking the bull by the horns here, and there's some serious stuff coming down. Why doesn't he do something? And, uh, and I, I'm not given to that unless I see him move. And that's called despising the work of the Lord. 
that's a, that's a really sinful place to be in, and we should avoid that at all costs. So don't grow weary or despise uh, the work of the Lord. Uh, the word despise there carries the same tone. I forgot to mention this in the first service. When a husband and wife are married, they love each other, but then the relationship falls apart and they go through a divorce. And you know how they despise each other? They once loved each other. Now they despise each other. That's the same word here. When we say despise the work of the Lord, you were once in love with the work of the Lord, but you've come to a place where you despise it. Now, thankfully, the people who despise it are probably not here this morning. Right. So you're not in that place. So just relax with that. OK, but we, you do have to play it out for what it means. All right. We said the definition of worship is worship is to honor with extravagant love and extreme submission, extravagant love and extreme submission. That's why you give the best in the first. You're honoring them because you go, you are worthy of this. It's not for what you'll get from it. It's for who you are. I, I give this, you know, the prosperity where it's twisted is if you give God this money, then you will get this all back because he will bless you. That's not what we talk about in worship. When it comes to worship, you give to him because he is. Because you are incredibly grateful that he's rescued you, that you're incredibly blessed that you've been adopted into the family of God. And um, so uh, what we've been saying is that to be a good worshiper is to be a good steward. Right. We all are given different responsibilities, all different arenas, but we are all responsible for managing certain points, certain places in that. So we are to be good stewards. Now, when I say steward, read responsible and obedient, not performance. Okay, because when we think steward, we think of what I'm in charge of. No, it's what you've been placed responsible for. So when we're talking about giving and we say we give this to the Lord, actually, the all of your salary is the Lord's. Your house is the Lord's. Your cars is the Lord's. Your life is the Lord's. Your kids are the Lord's. You are a steward placed in there to be responsible for that. And so think, uh, respond, uh, operating in God's grace that way. It's a natural extension of one who loves and worships God. And it's the essence of gratefulness. If you think about we're giving clips, it really clips on whether we're grateful for what the Lord's done or not. Right. If we're grateful, we tend to give. If we're hardened up or bitter, we don't. We'll talk more about that. A steward is one who's been given a trust to manage. Thus, when we come into God's kingdom, all that we have is understood to be from God and belongs to God. And as we steward, we worship. And as we worship, we steward. Those two things go hand in hand with each other. Um, and what's powerful about that is that we're talking about the kingdom of God and what we've been ushered into. We use this verse in Hebrews. And it's a great verse. It says, therefore, let us be grateful. No, that's the first thing out of the chute, right? Because of what God's done, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Another way you could say, it, let us be grateful for a kingdom that cannot be stolen. I mean, how many things can be stolen from you in this life? Right? Everything. Your possessions, your health. I mean, you name it, it can be stolen from you. Right? Your life can be stolen from you. That just happened at SBU this week. Jesus is saying, I've given you a kingdom that cannot be shaken or stolen. Now, you can be shaken, but the kingdom he gave you can't. And that's what's awesome about that. That's why you stay focused on the kingdom. Because even if you get rattled, the kingdom isn't going anywhere. And so let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken and let us offer to God acceptable worship. And acceptable worship has to do with reverence and awe for our God is a consuming fire, i.e. remember who you're dealing with. Okay? 
He is a most impressive person. So when it comes to responsibility giving as worship, Paul was talking to the Corinthian church, and he called it this grace of giving. Um, now, there is a gift of giving. So many of uh, us don't have that, but there are those among us who have the actual spiritual gift of giving. It is how we are wired. We are just exceptional at it. And um, we operate very obediently. We operate very uh, sacrificially. And it's how we're wired. Just like other people are wired for mercy. Other people are wired for service. Other people are wired for speaking. Other people, are, right? There's different. So there is the gift of giving. But here we're talking about the grace of giving. So some have the gift. The rest of us are expected to operate in the grace. So we may not have... So, for example, the same thing with evangelism, right? Uh, There are evangelists. There is the gift of evangelism. Those people are crazy because they can lead a telephone telephone pole to Jesus. I mean, it's everybody they have a conversation with seems to come to the Lord. And you're like, how do they do that? Where we still should be, even if we don't have the gift, involved with evangelism. Does that make sense to you? So that we're talking the same thing on giving here. And Paul says in this passage in Corinthians, the point is this. He's talking to the Corinthian church about an offering they were setting up. Whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. Whoever sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. That's usually the passage pastors focus on. But I want to focus on the next one. It says each one must give as he has decided in his heart. Not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Notice it is a heart issue. That it, the condition of your heart determines the direction and amount of your giving. If you have a, a, a hard heart, that's going to be very different than if you have a grateful heart. This is this, and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. The idea there is that there are different seasons in life, and when you hit those different seasons in life, you need different grace. All right, so for example, as a church, Northview needed one uh, level of grace when it was first planted. And then Northview needed another level of grace when it moved from Jackson High School to Archbishop Murphy. It needed an entirely different level of grace when Dan stepped, Pastor Dan stepped down, and then I came. It needed another level of grace when we came from Archbishop Murphy to here. All right? And God gives grace during those seasons. And likewise, as a church needs it, so individually we go through different seasons. Um, if you talk to... Um, the core of the old group that is still here and are still faithful, they will tell you there was a point in the church where the church was almost dead. And a lot of people had left, and they even had one foot out the door. But they were trying to be polite, and they um, wanted to pretend like they were still loyal, so they had the foot in the door, and then when it folded, they'd say, well, we took it to the end, and then we moved to where God wanted us. And, And they had that fully in plan. And then they came up with this building program, and they go, why are we doing a building program? There's not even going to be a church here by fall. Right? And so they were determined to just keep going. Well, then, if you talk to that core, they had dreams. And it would be really funny, like, the husband would wake up, and he'd see his wife sitting on the bed going, what are you doing? Well, I, I had a dream. Really? Me too. What was your dream about? Well, it was about the capital campaign at church. Really? Me too. Well, the, the Lord told me an amount to give. Yeah, he did me too. Well, what was your amount? Well, what was your amount, right? When they come to find out, it was the same amount. And then they're like, oh. And so what happened is three things. Number one, God told them they couldn't leave, which really ticked half of them off because they already had a foot out the door. 
Number two, they had to give to the capital campaign. And three, which is very unusual, the Lord gave them exact amounts they were supposed to give. And some of those months were very sacrificial. Didn't make any sense at all. It was a capital campaign with no target in sight. They were giving to a fund in the hopes that God would do something. And yet, you know what? That core obeyed. That core was given a greater grace. They followed through. And as a result of that core, you see what we have here today. We owe a tremendous debt of gratitude to that core because they obeyed. They were part of that, and they followed through. All right, so we're talking about God extending grace. And by the way, next week we're going to talk about where are we now and what are our challenges and, and some of the things you will resonate with. Their felt needs are things that we're going to talk about. But what's our challenge in this season of our church life? Where do we need to go? All right, so now when it comes to giving, the tithe... That's always kind of the guideline that we operate off of. And personally, I want to tell you, I think it's a good one. Tithe is 10%. I I think it's a great one. Pam and I uh, personally practice that and above. And uh, this passage lays out the true spirit of worship that should be behind our giving. Notice that the key phrase, if you look at that, it says each one, what? Must give as he has decided in his heart. In other words, if you've had a conversation with Jesus, if he's talking to you, and you've come to agreement on something, then it's not just good enough to think of it. You what? Must give what you've agreed with Jesus. Because it's between you and Jesus and the deciding. And so Paul's saying, if that's true, then you must follow through on it. And so when we're talking about this, notice it says, as each one has decided where? In their heart. Therefore, our heart condition is really a big issue when it comes to the matter matter of giving. A hard heart, a stingy heart, a greedy heart, a calloused heart, or an unthankful heart will have a profound effect on our attitude towards God and giving to Him. And it's a conversation. As we said, God talks to us about our giving, we respond. Now, sometimes He asks us things that are hard to do, but then He gives us the grace, like the story I gave you about that core group. And call that faith or belief as well. It, almost synonymous, to follow through. We've said that he equips the called. He doesn't call the equip. So what that means is he may ask something of you that you're going, well, I can't do that. Bingo. That's exactly the point. Okay? That's why he does it, so that you know it's him working in your life and not you yourself. Now, I, want, I just want to say, so if you're new here this morning or you're brand new in the faith and... Um, in Jesus, and, and you're just feeling overwhelmed by all this and by the new life in Christ, I would just say to you, welcome to the club. That's where we are, too. <laughs> okay? Because it doesn't get any less the longer you know him. After 35-some years, I'm going, wow, it, it's getting harder, not easier. And so it's just an amazing thing because as God keeps talking to you, he stretches the rubber band, so to speak. Most of us in this room have been asked to do things we're not capable of doing. We know what that feels like. And we've seen them use us in, in, in some big ways in spite of our fear of trepidation. You ever whine with that? I can't do that, right? And, and you're pouting because he asked you to do something that you don't think you can do, right? It's, it's hard. But most of us know what it's like to walk through that. And this is also true in the grace of giving. Giving to God... When done with the right heart is one of the great joys of life. 
contributing to the kingdom, being invested in the kingdom. If you're an investor person, where do you put your investment with a good return? Investing in the kingdom is one of the great joys of life. We've adopted this idea from this passage then at Northview. If you say, what's our attitude on giving here? Um, here's, our, here's Northview's uh, giving philosophy. What we say is if each one of us gave what Jesus asked us to give, we would have more than enough. And the idea behind that is God calls together a group of people for that particular work. And the group of people he's called together is sufficient to provide the needs for the ministry he's doing. Now, remember, the ministry changes and then he brings other people and it grows and stretches. So uh, grace for 1980 is not the same grace that's needed in 2014, but it's still the same kind of call. And in that, what we say is if everyone gave what Jesus asked them to give, we would have more than enough. That means we need everybody. Okay? It doesn't matter if your gift is little or big. It's what you can give. And if you give what you give, and we all give what Jesus has to give, we would have more than enough to do the ministries here. And the other thing is equal gifts. They're not equal gifts, equal sacrifice. Maybe only you can give five bucks. That probably isn't the same as the person who can give 5000 But guess what? Your 5 bucks may be every bit the stretch that the person who gives the 5000 We'll look at that in a minute. So, when we're talking about this, here's where it gets tricky. Alright? This is, this is kind of some places where it gets tricky. So let me highlight five places where uh, the factors or currents that we may find ourselves facing this morning can be overwhelming or challenging. Uh, in terms of this particular area. Okay, so number one, you may be in the place where you say, well, I'm brand new to Christ. I'm brand new to the faith. I'm, I, I'm just beginning to even hear about, let alone understand, uh, this whole concept of worship, giving, honoring God, and joining in His work. Uh, wow, that's just, my goodness, that's a big thing. I hadn't even thought in those categories before. This is a huge faith development step. And the, I would suggest to you the trick is to just get started. It really doesn't even matter where you start. Have a conversation with Jesus. Say, Jesus, where would you like me to start? What would you like me to give? And give that. Even if it's a dollar. Right? And the other thing I'd tell you is that if you're brand new in the faith, one of the best things in the world is to find a good mentor. Find somebody who knows the Lord, loves the Lord, has a great heart, uh, has been obedient for a long time, and they can talk with you through some of these so that you can get mentored in it and uh, it can make sense and you've got a chance to grow uh, and bounce things against someone else. That's a, a great thing. Because here's the point. If I don't believe, I don't give. Right? If I don't believe, I don't give. I can give and not believe. But if I don't believe, I don't give. So that growing in your faith, seeing this as part of that is really important. Number two, the place you may be is I'm growing and maturing in this grace of giving. And if that's true, if that's where you are this morning, um, everything I say will ring very true to you because Jesus told it to you before I got to you. All right? You'll go, how, how, how did you know? Well, I, I didn't know. I didn't know you were having that conversation. But it's one that the Lord's having with you. And... Um, you're at the place where you're saying, I have great joy in joining with Jesus through the Holy Spirit and building God's kingdom. I believe in building His kingdom. I believe it's valuable. And that's I want to jump in. I want to be part of the team. I want to be a player. I want to contribute. All right. Three, you could be at the place this morning where you have hit a different season. You can go from a season of plenty to a season of want 
or a season of want to a season of plenty. All right, remember the boom? Remember back when we first built and moved in, it was the boom? Anybody? <laughs> funny how we can forget that, right? It was the boom. Remember when your houses were selling for three times what they were worth, right? Or if you were trying to buy during that time? And then we went from the boom to the what? The bust, right? So we, we built the church in the boom and paid for it in the bust. We're really savvy, strategic people. And, um, but God's grace has seen us through really well. But in the bus, boy, talk about circumstances changing. I know people who gave great amounts and can't give nothing right now. And I know people who couldn't give anything and now can give a lot. And so there are seasons where it flips on you. And I want to talk about that because it's hard. Um, now, what's interesting about this perspective is it can be perceived either way as a positive or a negative. Uh, so you could be blessed and be struggling. Um, you could have nothing and be struggling. So it, it depends on which side of the coin you're on. So circumstances change, job change, families change. Uh, one season we may be called to and can give a lot. On the negative side, we may be in a season where we may not be able to give anything. By the way, those of us who are, are givers, who are used to giving, the most humbling and hard place I've ever found for people who are givers is when they can't give and they have to give get from somebody. It's the most chafing thing. Boy, you talk about having to humble yourself before because you're used to being on the other side and being the giver and it feels embarrassing to be on the side where you have to be the receiver. And, and I've seen God teach His children that, that lesson, right? Uh, so uh, it, can go, it can go in a couple of different ways that way. But each should be seen from God. And the word here is what? Contentment. Ah, that's a great word, isn't it? Contentment. In the circumstances that you... You don't have a struggle with that? You're just looking all very like, oh, that's easy. No. Contentment, right? Isn't it easy to just chafe in your circumstances and just think, gee, if I just had this or if we just had that or we just had that, then I would be happy and then I would be satisfied and Jesus, then I would be content. No, it's not because God proves that. He gives us stuff and then we're still not content. All right? Because there's always something to compare it to. We were talking to a friend last night who has a house in Palm Desert. Pam and I are thinking, wow, gee, that'd be nice to have a house in Palm Desert. But he was comparing to another friend who started with him in a house in Palm Desert, but God has enormously blessed him. So he said he had the house with us, then he went to this level, this level. Now he's at this level with the house in Palm Desert. And this guy's going, gee, I wish I had that. And I just realized, you know what? You just got to be content. <laughs> Don't need Palm Desert. You need Jesus. And to be content in this is what uh, we're talking about. Both mind and spirit, by the way. That's a key life skill that we've got to learn. Uh, the, the fourth place where you may be this morning is you may have gotten off track. Uh, you could say, I used to be faithful in this area of giving, but I've slid backwards. I'm no longer tracking and, and, or giving the way that I should. And um, I just find myself kind of stuck. And sometimes it's not because we have less. Like I said, sometimes it's we, we've got more. There's a, a story I, I was reading, and I think it's older because the numbers are old. But you'll see what I mean. So there was a guy making, he started on his career, he's making $200 a week. Opening, beginning job. Probably where you started, Rich. And, uh, and so he's making $200 a week. And the tithe off of that was 20 bucks. 
And although it was challenging and although it was hard, they were able to do it and uh, they felt very good about it. And uh, in the process of that, God blessed this man. And so the man went from 200 bucks a week to 400 bucks a week to 800 bucks to where he was making $2,500 a week. And obviously God had blessed him in his efforts and blessed him in the company. But here was the interesting thing. The more the amount went up, the harder it was for him to give so that when it got to 2500 bucks, he couldn't, he, he just couldn't bring himself to write that check for 250 bucks because it looked so huge. So this is probably 80s, right? That sounds about an 80s story, doesn't it? And um, so he went to his pastor and he wanted to go talk to his pastor about how to get past his problem. He said, look, here's the problem I got. When I made 200 bucks, I, I did really well because I gave the 20 and, and my wife and I were thrilled with it. But as it's gone up, I've had this harder and harder time to where at 2,500, I, I, I can't write the check. What do I do? And the pastor said, oh, that's easy. He said, really? He says, yeah. All we have to do is pray that God would take you back to $200 a week and then you can give freely. <laughs> right? It can be challenging either way you go. The other part is if we've backslidden or or gotten off track is sometimes we're guilty. I covet what's God's and in my greed, I take what's his and I use it for myself. You ever watched and, you know, you're giving and stuff and other people have new cars and other people have vacation homes and other people have snowmobiles and other people have ski-doos and other people. And you're thinking, I don't have any of that stuff. And how come I, you know what? I, I want some of that stuff. And the only way to get it is if I take what's the Lord's and I use it for myself. All right, let's call that for what that is, okay? That's sinful. Can we still say sin in America? Is that possible? That is sinful. You are robbing from God. You are stealing from Him. That's His. That's His gift. And if you steal from Him, that's not good. That's short-term gain with long-term pain. Not only will you go backwards financially, but what you're going to find out is you're going to end up spiritually bankrupt as well. And some of us have done that, right? We thought we're getting ahead, and instead we found ourselves in the ditch. And we started that slide into the ditch and now we can't get out of the ditch. The best thing you can do at that point is just stop, repent, and say, I've been wrong. I robbed from you. I stole from you. Could you, by your grace, get me back on track and put my life back to where you're first in my life and I'm obedient in that, in that area? The other one that we can do in this is justify. We rationalize. Yeah, I'm not giving the full amount, but my heart's right. Right? And as long as my heart's right, it's really usually um, how it's worded is, yeah, I don't give what I should, but, you know, it's not really the amount that matters. And, and uh, my heart behind it is good. Remember the, the poor widow. Remember the widow's might, right? You ever have somebody throw that out? I get that a lot. Remember the widow's might. Well, let's take a look at this story. Turn, take your uh, Bibles and turn to Luke 21 and just look at it. It's a short little story. It's a really a kind of a fun little story. Jesus is at the temple with his disciples. They are watching people giving gifts. By the way, one, we put the um, offering boxes on the back wall and you say, why don't we pass a hat or stuff like that? Because uh, Scripture says, just give to the Lord secretly. And sometimes even a basket coming thrown in, we're watching what other people are throwing in. And this is exactly what was happening at the temple. People were walking up and it, it says they were placing very expensive gifts in the basket. And, uh, the, you know, and some of that in that day was, wow, look at what I'm giving to the Lord. You ever done that? Wow, look at what I'm giving to the Lord. As if you did it. 
well, the truth is you didn't do anything. The Lord gave it to you. But, but we like pride and we like competitive and we like winning. So look at what I'm giving. This is exactly what's going on. So Jesus and disciples are sitting there. They're watching these people go by, putting, it says, very expensive gifts into the offering. And then they see this poor widow. And she put in two small copper coins. And if you go to the other passages, it said those two small copper to- coins were worth about a penny. So we're talking broke beyond broke. Right, if your two coins add up to a penny, that is not a very good net worth. And so this lady comes up and she throws those in. And as Jesus is watching, he says, Truly, I tell you, this poor widow has put in more than all of them. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, put all that she had to live on. So here's what I often hear. Yeah, I prayed about what I should give. And Jesus told me to give 2%. Remember the widow's might. It's not the amount, it's the heart. Well, that's not what this story is saying. Look at this story and, and, and what it's pointing out. Now, before I do that, there could be truth to that in that statement. You could have prayed for it, and that may be what Jesus told you to do. And if it is, you should do it and do it with joy and do it with honor. And you may be in a place in life where you can't give or can't give much. And Jesus has indicated to you that this is good with him. All right? I myself have a personal story of giving for Bibles around the world and the Lord told me, you know what? You've got to pay your debts to your dad first. Right? He course corrects. That was a very powerful time in my early Christian life. Notice I'm not telling you all the details of that. All right. The point in the story is not that her heart was right and that she gave a small gift, it's exactly the opposite. Her heart was right and she gave a big gift. You have to picture widows in that area. Widows in that area, they, they, there's no uh, social security. There's no welfare. There's no uh, systems put together for that. It's highly likely uh, she was, uh, had lost her husband. That's why they called her a widow. But it's also highly likely she had no family. And in this circumstance, she had to be pretty destitute, Right? She probably was at the place where coming to the offering, she probably said, you know what, I could take these two little coins and maybe buy some bread or I could give it to the Lord. The truth is, if I buy a little bread, it's not going to do me any good anyways because I have nowhere else to go. I am at the end of my rope. Anybody ever been there? I can't get there. So what she says is, you know what, I love the Lord. If I'm going to die, I'm, I might as well give it to Yahweh because if I'm going to die, I'm going to meet him anyways. This is all I can give. So she walks up and notice in this story, she didn't notice Jesus. She may have walked up and said, oh, there's a group of guys over there watching. She didn't know what was going on. She didn't know who that was. But notice that Jesus was watching her. That's the important point of the story. And so she throws it in. When she throws it in, she throws everything she's got and says, I give myself to you. I hope you hear my heart and I'm trusting on you to bring me through. That's a pretty powerful story. We're talking about extreme circumstances here. Not somebody who just walks up and gives. She doesn't have that. She was entrusting herself to God by giving everything she had. And this was an enormous act of faith and worship. And I want to point out, was rightly noticed by Jesus. Notice that Jesus pointed that out. Here's the point. Jesus is watching. He was watching her and he's watching us. And he knows when we give sacrificially and he knows when we give with the right heart. And he points that out. Who's he pointed out to? His father in heaven. See what they're doing? Look at that heart. 
He checks it out. In both heart and amount, in terms of a tithe, when you think about this woman, she gave all that she had to live on. Instead of 10%, she gave 100%. That's a, that's a huge, huge gift. We ourselves may at one point or another found ourselves in the same uh, kind of position of extremity and trust and uh, seen the Lord bring us through. I know Pam and I have it. We look back now and wonder, how did we make it through that? The numbers don't line up, and yet we're here we are today. And so what that means is God's grace is mysterious in how it works, and He will get you through and see you through. And sometimes you have to trust Him. You give the gift first, and then later He reveals how He's going to bring you through. That's, a, that's one of those faith step things that we learn. Number five, the other place you've been, maybe this place. I have been burned. You're sitting there this morning and saying, I have been burned, I've been hurt, I've been wounded. I once gave, and I gave generously and full of faith. But then, dot, 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 dot. Pastor sinned. I was dealt an injustice. Any of you had any injustices in the church? There was a pastoral change or regime change and my church was taken away from me. The politics that I got caught in were anything but Christian. The money was mismanaged or stolen. Um, They wouldn't do what I wanted to do. So I'm not going to give them my money. And so I quit. And I haven't given a dime since, and I never will. That story has to be true in a group this large. And if you include first, first service, if we said, how many wounds are there in a body like this? I bet you if we took a microphone and put it up here and said, tell your story of how you've been wounded, we could go for a year, right, with, with the stories like that. So what's the response at first? Here's my response. May I apologize Some of you here this morning are refugees from situations like that. And you've been doing this. Right? And for good reason. I just want to apologize on behalf of Jesus, on behalf of His bride, and on behalf of myself. I am deeply sorry. That stuff should have never happened. It shouldn't have taken place. But you know what? The fall's in the church as well as in the world. And we make mistakes too. And I'm sorry. Um... It certainly should have never happened that way or in that spirit. The wounds and the sins are real. And that's part of why everything's dried up. And one of the problems is um, the the trail of bitterness and anger that's been left behind is devastating. Uh, Many of us have been really gripped by a spirit of revenge or payback. A lot of us are trying to walk through the debris field that others left there's sin. If you've been through divorce, you know what that feels like. Um, it's like you can never come up for error. And uh, it's just devastating to the individuals. It's, it's devastating to the bride of Christ itself. And it's devastating to the kingdom of Jesus. Just think of how much you know has fallen apart just in your sphere of influence. Right? It's a devastating uh, impact. And the biggest piece is uh, what you hear is the expression, I, I want nothing to do with the organized church. Right? Ever heard that phrase? I want nothing to do with the organized church. The loss of trust and goodwill can be directly correlated to the loss of faith giving. And uh, I mean, I just watch on TV and I, uh, some of the stuff goes on. It's horrendous. 
and it's embarrassing. And what's even harder is for me to be in this spot, knowing all that you've been through, and then say, oh, let me talk to you about giving. It sounds like hypocrisy, really. It sounds like... But at the same time, you know, the Lord's been really good and really faithful for us, and we've been trying to avoid that, and we do need to be faithful. And so I want to just say a couple things to that. First of all, bitterness is toxic. Uh, and if you're caught in the spirit of bitterness, uh, you've got to get out of it. And only the Holy Spirit can have that conversation that begins to free us from that grip. I've often pictured that where you're going through life like this. You dirty, right? You got that spirit to it. And the idea that God peels your fingers back and you release that. You've got to let go and let God pull you out of the grip of bitterness. Uh, Being burned, we're often not responsible for, but being bitter, we are. We cannot control the actions of other people, but we are responsible for our response to it. That's what God holds us responsible for. Yes, others have sinned against us. And I got news for you, it'll probably happen again. All right? But here's the deal. God always brings us through that, and if we don't hang on to the bitterness, He steps us to another level of where we realize that and we grow in maturity. And so our response is to not let it grip us and not be caught up in a spirit of bitterness. We have to move on into a spirit of forgiveness. Secondly, I I would say wounds are not an excuse for a lack of obedience or worship. Yes, you've been hurt. Pam and I have been hurt. There's all kinds of wounds we've been through. Uh, But you know what's fascinating is we've thanked the Lord for all our circumstances. And uh, now people bring up stuff and we can't even remember really what happened anymore. Right? Because we kind of just let it go. And, and we go, oh yeah, I guess that did happen. Right? Because we just are so thrilled with where the Lord's brought us. I, that's Northview, that it's just a great thing. And we're so happy with it. It's like, you know what? Lord, wash that all in the bridge. And and I tell you what, if you wash my stuff, I'll wash their stuff. Just let it go. And and we've got to get to that place because otherwise the person we're holding hostage is ourselves. And you've got to be able to move past that. Remember the beginning of that 2 Corinthians passage where uh, the key phrase was, and each one must give what he's decided in his heart. Uh, not reluctant or in compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. Does that work if our hearts are hard? Does, does that work if we're unforgiving or full of bitterness and revenge? I'm going, no, it doesn't. Does that work if we resent the amount I feel I have to or should give? Right? It's just, okay? no, that, that doesn't work either. Uh, giving should be an expression of gratefulness, gratitude, and appreciation. Not for I have to or I'm going to get something out of it. That's, we make that mistake so much. I know that's a fine line, but I think it's an important one. Uh, does it work if it's I have to? You know, if you say I have to love my wife, Pam, I have to love you. Okay. No, I get to love Pam. Right? I was telling her this morning, I grabbed her pinky and said, I like you a lot. And she glowed. I went, yes, it's awesome. It's a get-to, not a have-to. And so when we come this morning, when we realize we've been sinned against and realize the, the debris field we're working through, that's understood. But part of that, it has to heal. Part of that, we have to recognize, when you are giving, you are giving to Jesus. 
Now, you are giving to a particular work. You are giving to a particular ministry. You are giving to a particular um, sense of passion. But really, when you're giving, you're giving to Jesus. And I want to say this to you. If you have been burned or broken or busted with somebody else's sin, particularly if it's come from within the church or a pastor like myself or something like that, anything that you've given to Jesus has not been lost. Okay? Anything that you have given to Jesus has not been lost. When you give to Jesus, that goes in the Jesus account. Okay? And when it's there, it's in his accounting books. It's not in the accounting books of that church or that ministry or that thing. It goes in his accounting book. I call it the Jesus account. It can't be stolen. It can't be robbed. If you gave it and they mismanage it, that's their problem, their sin. If you gave it with the right heart, it goes towards your credit. It can't be taken or lost. Remember, we've been given a kingdom that can't be shaken or stolen. And so you don't have to worry about, oh, I gave the ministry, then it all fell apart, so nothing came up. No, you gave, you were obedient, and God moved you past that, and now God's got you here. Because God's kingdom will move on. Those ministries may die, but if you gave to it and it died, what you gave does not go to nothing. It goes into his account. And so have great joy that when you give, if others sin, it does not strip you of your blessing. It does not strip you of your reward. It does not strip you of your investment in the kingdom. And so this morning, I'm going to ask the worship team to come on up. Uh, Don't let them distract you. Get ready for a thing. But what I want to say this morning is, um, I want us to think through that process. So would you stand with me? Because you've been sitting a long time. Let's, Let's stand together. I want you to think through some of this. One of what we're going to do is we're going to have a, a minute of silence where you can be alone. And the question this morning is, uh, you may be in a couple of places. Number one, you may be in that place where you've got that closed hand. You've got that closed fist. Right? There's points of bitterness. There's uh, anger. There is revenge on your heart and your mind. And Jesus is asking you to let that go. I don't know who I'm talking to. I don't know what it is, but I know I'm talking to somebody. I know I'm talking to real stuff here. So if Jesus has had that conversation with you, um, maybe this morning you get the sense of you just open your hand. You may be walking through the debris field of other people's sin and it may have created resentment and bitterness and that kind of stuff. Uh, And you've got to tell the Lord, you know what, I've got to let that go too. You may have uh, been at the place where you've not been obedient and giving, and, and the Lord's talked to you about that, and it's time to have a conversation about getting back on track. But this morning, what has He said to you? Not what has Steve said, but what has He said to you? We're going to take a minute and just let the Lord process with us. So I just want to encourage you to close your eyes and um, be with Him and think through those. And then when we come back, we've got a beautiful song that wraps it in worship.